0: but it, but it does it does raise the question about life to be or not to be the question about life and spiritual physical and if we're going to live a real life if we are living for Christ then maybe we should look more like him right maybe we should be more like him and so we're going to spend several weeks looking at Jesus from all different sorts of ways and trying to cover a little bit in this vastness that is Jesus because I think it's almost near impossible to cover everything about him no. and to cover all the aspects of him. It would be a lifetime worth of study, which we will be doing. Which which part is loose? I don't want to... I, I did, the base. Okay. All right. right, there, right. I'm going to end up falling on my face here. No, no it won't come loose. It's it won't just, come loose? Okay. All right. Well, I want you to turn to Mark if you've got your Bibles with you. Because we're going to be pulling stuff from Mark, and later on in the lesson, I'm going to ask you specifically to help me out with some things, and I want your feedback in this lesson on Jesus himself. So you're going to have to be in Mark to do that, so get there now, and then when we get to that point, you'll be ready. So from Mark, you know, back here in this time, um, you might be able to describe... Some generations, or maybe this generation, as somebody who's lost their sense of direction, I wonder sometimes too if my generation looks back at the next or looks at the next generation coming up, thinking, "Man, they've really lost their sense of direction," and the generation above me has looked at mine and said, "Man, they've really lost their their direction," and so on and so on, as each generation kind of looks back and thinks, "Man, what do they think they're doing? They don't know what they're doing." So I th- it might be a common trait of us to look back and say, man, you've really lost your direction. But in this era, at least when we're living now, there's, there's a lot of stuff out there that could lose a, make us or help us lose our direction. I mean, in the era of fake news, right? Man. Tons of fake news. You've got to fact check the news now just to see if it's real or not. You know, Just make sure that you're, you're passing on real information. You need to fact check your information before you do it. Instead of just forwarding in your Facebook post and thinking it's real, you got to do some double-checking. Truth is relative. Religion is, you know, kind of namby-pamby. It's what you want, take what you can, and, you know, anybody and everybody is all right. Well, Jesus gives us something very unique, I think, in a, in a person, in God. He gives us something very unique. The lifestyle of Jesus was unique. We're going to look at just one tiny aspect of this lifestyle, and it's unique is the, is the title of this lesson. Jesus is unique. So for us, we're going to translate that somehow, and some of that's going to be on you. Because I'm going to use a trick that Jesus used, hopefully, in the way he ends his sermons. We'll see if, see if I can end it like Jesus ends it, and see if we can be unique as well because of who we are and whose we are and who is in us. The lifestyle of Jesus is unique, right? And even years after his death, what did they who followed this man eventually become known as? Christians, yeah. And why did they become known as Christians? Because they were followers of Christ. And the people that called them Christians, it might have been... Maybe it was a derogatory term. Maybe it was, that's, that's, they're, they're following that, that weirdo who was killed. And maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Who knows? But either way, it is a term used to describe people that they can see look like that guy that was back then preaching this and teaching this. And they look like them. And the disciples look like them. They look like Christians. Yes, Christ-like. They look like Christians. Which brings to mind the leaders of our day. Jesus was a leader. Jesus led his people. He was even leading after he was gone. But what about our leaders today? Thinking about, you know, normal human leaders. Well, yeah, normal. (laughs) That's good, right, normal. Put normal in front of leaders, right. But do we have leaders today with clear self-identity? Do they know who they are? Jesus knew who he was, right? Jesus knew exactly who he was, exactly why he came, exactly what he was here for. Sometimes you look at the leaders today, and they they don't seem to have that self-identity, that clear self-identity. You don't really know who you are. Sometimes you're this, and sometimes you're this. And sometimes you're whatever the, the case may need to be. You're whatever we want you to be, whatever you think we want you to be. A lot of these leaders are egomaniacs. A lot of these leaders are bombastic in nature. Jesus, none of that. And yet he still led people because of who he was. We want leaders to have genuine credibility. We want and we demand purity of life, right? But you don't always get pure in life. You get relatively pure leaders. We hope for personal integrity. But we don't always get personal integrity in leaders. We hope for an ethical commitment, we hope for courage, we hope for boldness, we hope for compassion, but we don't always get that. But in Jesus, you get all of that, and more. And you and I have probably been disappointed so often in our political leaders, in worldly leaders, you think they're going one direction, then they switch directions, and even if they're in the opposite party and they're ruling, you hope for the best, because we live in a country where we have to make it together. You hope for the best. But we've been disappointed over and over again. The one thing I like about Jesus is that he doesn't disappoint. There is no disappointment in Jesus Christ. He doesn't make promises he can't keep. He's not an egotistical, bombastic person who's out there saying whatever he needs to say in order to get the votes he wants to get, to get the power he needs to have. He says what he needs to say because that is who he is. He believes or we believe in him because he has proven himself over and over again. And Jesus is unique. In history, in time, Jesus is absolutely and utterly unique. And we have to be impressed by his courage, I think, his discernment, his confidence, and his credibility. And what I like about Jesus, when you talk about a leader, this Jesus is a leader who has been granted authority and power, but not by you and me. He hasn't been granted authority and power by votes, or by anything else. I know we talked about that song that I don't like, and Joe told me, you know, art, what is it? Artistic license—that's what it is. Artistic license, poetic and, and license. yes, poetic license, artistic license, and that makes sense in songs. But when you think about it, Jesus wasn't searched out. I mean, this was a plan, plan before the foundation of the world. We didn't vote him in there. We can't vote him out. We have no deciding, no no rule at all. Jesus wasn't power-hungry, wasn't worried about giving his power away. When you think about leaders today, who would they surround themselves with? Yes, man. yes men, maybe, yeah. And people who can do what for them? Who can help them, right? They, they need to have connections. I, I don't want to surround myself with the fisherman down at the dock who has absolutely no connections and can do nothing for me. But who's Jesus surround himself with? People who have... Absolutely no social connections, no political connections, fishermen, simple people, simple people. Even, even some like tax collectors who are not good people in the eyes of people. He surrounds, them with, he surrounds himself with the kind of people that you would think twice to surround yourself around if you were a person who was trying to hold on to worldly power. That's not, that's not, that is unique in Jesus. That is not unique in us because we don't tend to do that thing. One thing I like, too, about the Jesus as a leader is he takes those people who can do nothing for him. Exactly, Carl, and makes them more than they thought they could be. He doesn't mind investing himself, his time, his power in these people who can do nothing for him. Now, take that to, to our day and, and time, and maybe, maybe you get a leader who will invest himself or herself in somebody who can do nothing. But most of the time, if I'm hungry for power... I'm not going to invest myself in you if you can't do anything for me. And I definitely don't want you surpassing me. I don't want you taking my place. But Jesus is not worried about that. Jesus is ready to make all of these disciples and everybody that comes after him, as long as they give their life to him, more than they thought they could be. In fact, more actually what God knows they can be, but more, what, more than what I thought I could be. But that's who Jesus is as a leader. Go over to Mark chapter 3 verse 16. Here we're going to look at just one guy that Jesus, this unique Jesus, this unique leader, touches. And this is just the very introduction to him because there's only going to be a couple verses. You know him pretty well. Simon Peter, right? He appointed the twelve there in verse, three, uh, verse 16 of chapter 3. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. Now, he first meets Simon back in chapter 1, verse 16. If you go back there. Chapter 116, after he's he's gotten through saying that the time is at hand, the kingdom of God's at hand, repent, believe in the gospel of God. And saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. In verse 16, as he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Boy. Jesus is forming his group here, and he's picking the lowly of the lowly, the guys who can't do anything for him. This guy, Peter, you know him well, is very eager, often stuck his foot in his mouth, often thinks or says before he thinks. Verse 36, look at, look at Simon in verse 36 of chapter 1. Early in the morning, Jesus goes out. He rises, he goes out, he departs to a lonely place, and he's praying for him. And what is Peter doing? He's hunting for Jesus. Simon and his companions are hunting for him. And they found him. And they said, everybody's looking for you. Simon's Simon's one of those guys that is that seems to me like the guy who's all in when he's in. And he is, he is ready to go. And he wants to be the first one through the door. He wants to be the, the first guy. He's the first guy to say something. In fact, over there in chapter 8 of Mark, in verse 29, again, you see Simon being first. He's, he's out there with after the question, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, thou art the Christ. Peter just lays it out there. Peter says, I'll die for you too later on, doesn't he? I'll die. I'll go there and I'll die for you. I'll die with you. I'll, I'll do that. He does end up running away. He does end up hiding. But what makes that, that, that transformation so amazing is you see where Peter starts here at Mark. And you see the... The the guy who is all in and he's ready to go. And then you see the guy who struggles in his faith. But then you see the guy who comes out on the other end of that in Acts chapter 4. Turn over to Acts chapter 4 really quickly. In Acts chapter 4 you see the transformation of this Simon Peter. Not the full transformation obviously. He's still got some work to, to do and he still goes through some ups and downs. But here is a different Peter than in Mark than in John or, or Matthew or, or Luke. As they're standing there, talking to leaders, verse 13, Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were marveling and began to recognize them as having what? Them with Jesus. Again, th- there's another connection that this these these, these guys are unique. There's something special about these guys what is it because we know that they're not educated we know that they're untrained but there's something about these two they've been with jesus there's something rubbed off on peter something rubbed off on these guys peter was transformed by jesus christ He, he changed him just like he said he would from fishing to being a fisher of men a total and complete transformation and when you look at this man peter do you ever stop and think man i I want to see that same transformation in me. I want to see my Peter moments where where somebody recognizes that guy, he may not have gone to college, but he knows what he's talking about. Or he he's not the, the brightest bulb in the room, perhaps, you know. But man, he, he's got something that is unique, something special. He he's grounded in something that that makes him strong, that makes him able. What is that? why, why do you stand out among people? Well, huh? Have you been with Jesus? That They should notice that in us. And when you see Jesus here, when you see this time frame, when you see him living, I think the world is ready for something like Jesus. In fact, I think Luke and, and the, the Gospels indicate that the people were, were looking for something. They were ready for something coming. They just didn't know what it was. They didn't know how it would come. But they were looking for something here. Matthew 2, 1 through, through 12 talks about the Magi and Herod. You know, they're looking for something. They know that God is, God is doing something, but they don't know what exactly. They're disappointed, unfortunately, in what they got, some of them. But God is definitely breaking into the scene here and pouring this unique Jesus into history and time, into the perfect time, like Galatians 4.4 says. He comes at the perfect time for what God needs to have done. And when Jesus comes on the scene, that world is ready for him and he starts preaching and he starts teaching. And you'll notice that you, you probably remember the, the line where it says they were amazed by his teaching, right? He taught as one having what? Authority. Authority. And that same stuff that attracts those people does what to the Sadducees and the Pharisees? It ticks them off, yeah. It repulses them, doesn't it? The same thing that, that the other people like, the Pharisees and the Sadducees say, oh, no, I don't think so. I don't like that guy at all. He's, a, he's definitely a threat. He's, he's even, well, when you look at Jesus, he's even unique as a child, isn't he? Right. What were you doing at 12 years old? I was probably serving time in my room for something. <laughs> or nursing a red bum for something. For something. And, and I won't say what. Because I probably can't remember at 12 years old. But, but you know I was a 12 I was a normal 12 year old kid. I was not in the temple, quote unquote, arguing or talking or asking questions with these guys. No, I wasn't doing that. At 12 years old. Jesus is, there is something unique about this boy. Yeah, and he just goes on from there, doesn't he? Wisdom stature and in favor with God and man. He he goes on from there. He is unique in birth, he's unique in life. He's unique everywhere. And the people that are with him People notice. You've got something special about you. He's unique because he's both God and man. He's unique in life before he came. He's unique in birth. He's unique in life here. He's unique in death here. He's unique in resurrection. He's unique in his life now. Everything about him is unique. So unique that people swear by him. And people use his name to swear. Have you ever thought about the swearing part? Why don't people say... Oh, my Muhammad. (laughs) Oh, my Buddha. Yeah, too long maybe? Yeah, it takes too long to get it out of your mouth and you want to get it out quick. Why don't they say other religious figures throughout the history? I've often wondered why don't they use those names? I I wonder if it's a little subtle ploy by someone named Satan to help give give his name a little bit of... You know, dirt. Let's slap some dirt on that name. How can you do that? Well, let's, well, that, that sounds good as a curse word. That sounds great as a curse word. He, he is so unique that his name, God, and Jesus have been turned into swear words for us. That's pretty unique in and of itself. Next time, you, you might not want to say, oh, my Muhammad. You might have a bad, <laughs> bad reaction. But just try, oh, my Buddha. I wonder what people would say. this doesn't make any sense that we would turn his name into a swear word but that's how unique he is that I think even Satan recognizes that that name needs to be sullied somehow so let me do this let me let me let me ask them or let me get them to say this as a curse word and sort of just throw it in the mud every once in a while and kind of make it commonplace so that God and Jesus are just well they're just swear words they're not really a being they're not really who they are and I really like the point when I was listening to a guy talking about Jesus, I really like the point that he made about Jesus being so unique that we probably wouldn't even have him here to preach. Can you imagine Jesus giving a sermon? I mean, we see him in, in the Bible. And I know he's compassionate, he's loving, but oftentimes Jesus leaves them not feeling so good. He leaves them convicted. But sometimes he leaves them sort of just even hanging out there. What in the world does he mean? Thank you for coming. I have no idea what you said. Thank you. You know, no scribes or no Pharisees would probably come to the services. Matthew 23, when he, when he talks to them, Woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. You show up for services with Jesus, you're just going to get a woe if you're a scribe or a Pharisee. And nobody wants to show up on Sunday and leave having woes thrown at them. How about that parable of the The sower. Or Francis Chan talking about the parable of the sower. He introduced it this way. He said, all these people are walking out, walking miles perhaps to come see Jesus, right? They're walking, on. they're not, they're not driving their fancy cars, they're walking. And they're putting their physical effort in to come out and see him. And so they have the the guy get up and he says, okay, I'm, I'm here to introduce Jesus. He's he's a good speaker, he's very convicting. Uh, every time I hear him, I, I just want to hear more of him. Because uh, here you go, Jesus. So Jesus gets up to the microphone and he says, Okay, there's four, four soils. There's the rocky soil. The farmer throws seed on the soil and it doesn't do anything. Birds come and eat it. Then there's the what soil? Rocky soil, then the thorny soil. You, th- you throw seeds on there and it springs up, but the thorns choke out the life. Then what? Well, there's good soil, yeah. Good <laughs> soil. Rocky. Thorny, hard, hard surface, okay. Then you got the good soil, you got all of these soils, and you throw the seed on it, good soil, makes, reproduces over and over again. Okay, if you guys understand it, good, I'm glad you got it, if you didn't, too bad. And Jesus walks away. I, all these people come out to see him. All these people come out to hear him. And all he says is, good soil, good soil, bad soil, bad soil. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. And he explains it to his disciples. And they're wondering, why don't you tell the people what you mean? And Jesus is saying, well, those that have ears, let them hear. Those that have the desire to come and talk to me, let them come and talk to me. Let, let them find out more. But those who just come for to have their bellies filled, they're just going to have their bellies filled. Those that come to hear more about me, maybe they want to know about me. But Those that don't, they're, they're not interested in me yet. And I'm going to leave it there. I'm just going to drop it right there. How about Luke 9 where he talks about the discipleship? Where he, in The end of that chapter, he's, he's confronted by three people and they, they say, I want to go with you. And he says, I don't think you do. I, do you know how tough it is? I don't think you want to come with me because I don't even have a place to lay my head. You're not going to have any friends. It's not going to be good. Don't come with me basically. It's kind of how Jesus leaves it there. It's not warm and fuzzy. He's very blunt. He's very on point. He's very convicting. I wonder sometimes if we would have Jesus talking to us when he tells you to hate your mother and father, to bear your own cross. That sounds like a feel-good message too. Coming out there and Not going to Jerusalem, but he says, okay, everybody, just hate your mother and father. If you don't hate them, then you can't follow me. And uh, pick up your own cross, too. Boy, a unique preacher, a unique man who, who leaves audiences perhaps stunned, wondering what in the world is going on. He leaves his disciples stunned and wondering what's going on. But he has a purpose in doing that, doesn't he? There's a purpose for that. Jesus didn't do that to be rude, to be mean, to be cruel. He did that because that's the way he wanted the disciples to, 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 to learn. He wanted his people to come to him. He wanted the people to come to him for the right reasons. Not just because there was a crowd, not just because he was popular. In fact, if there is a crowd around Jesus, he's usually pretty cynical about the crowd. What are you guys doing here? Why am I so popular? You must not really understand the message if I'm so popular. Because the message is going to thin the herd drastically. That's the, excuse me, that's the uniqueness of Jesus. Now here is where I need your help and participation too. Because I want to look at several scriptures. And I want you to tell me in these scriptures what is unique. When you read it, what is unique about Jesus in these scriptures? Go to Mark chapter 1 verse 7. I'm going to read you the scripture, and I'm going to do this one first so you can kind of see what I'm saying. In Mark 1, 7, it says, And he was preaching and saying, After me one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. Now here is John describing Jesus. But how does he describe him? I think he describes him as a confident one. He's confident. He's confident. This one that's coming is confident. The one that's coming is competent. He is bigger than I. He's better than I. There's a confident one coming. There's, there's a bigger one coming than me. Jesus is unique in the fact that I can't do these things, but he's mightier than I am. I baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He is setting the stage for someone completely unique, completely competent, completely able to do all that John couldn't. So now go to 27 through 28 of that same chapter. And they were all amazed, so that they debated among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey Him. And immediately the news about Him went out everywhere into the surrounding district of Galilee. When you read that, what unique part of Jesus jumps out at you? Authority. Authority. What else? Anything else? Able to control spirits. He has an ability that is beyond what normal humans have. This is a unique ability, this unique authority. What else? Anybody else? Compassion. Compassion. I, I wrote down bold too. This is a bold teacher. He is commanding unclean spirits. He is able to do this. He's bold. And they, they, him. And they obey him. Exactly. Chapter 2 6 through 7. Some of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Then jump down to verse 12. And he rose immediately and took up the pallet, went out in the sight of all, so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Describe a unique quality of Jesus in these verses. Redeemer. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus says, Take up your pallet and walk, because I'm going to prove to you that I can't. Okay, Redeemer. Anybody else? Healer. Healer. Anybody else? They recognize that he that was, you know, it was different. I mean, knows people's hearts. He knows people's hearts. And they recognize that, that he's different than normal teachers? Okay, they recognize something here. they've definitely got to come to terms with the source of the power, don't they? Because they're saying, who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus is saying, so that you know that I have the power, I'm going to tell him to take, do the, quote-unquote, harder thing here, and tell him to take up his pallet and walk, and boom. Then he's just made himself equal with God in the sight of these people. This Jesus is an authentic Jesus. He is who he is, and he's going to be who he is, no matter what. He teaches with power. He teaches with power. Definitely. He's a powerful teacher. Chapter 3, verse 5. Again, here is Jesus, and he's doing something that's going to get people irritated. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched out, and his hand was restored. This is that man in the synagogue who had that withered hand. So, what authentic or I mean, unique quality of Jesus is in verse 5 here? Compassion. Say that again. Even when he was angry. Okay. Can, are you saying compassion even when he was angry? Yeah. He, he's, he's, he's moved, isn't he? he? He knows the hardness of their heart and he's irritated by the hardness of their heart. Why don't you see it? Why, why can't you get this? I, it's got to be frustrating for the maker of all to stand there and say, you guys are missing the point. I don't understand why you can't have compassion on this man too. Okay. Anybody else? Power. power. Definitely power. Healing. Healing, definitely. I wrote down courageous for mine. Courageous in the fact that he, he, is, he is going to irritate these religious leaders. He's going to do what they think is completely wrong, but he is leading them in the right way. But at the same time, he is a courageous, uniquely courageous person who is able to do that no matter what the odds are. No matter who's standing in front of him, he's going to walk into the synagogue. He's going to do what needs to be done He's going to let the chips fall where they may. He is courageous. He's compassionate. He's a healer. He's all of these things. He's powerful. Chapter 5, verse 43 is the next one. And he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and that she be given something to eat. This is the young lady who was risen from the dead. So he's given them strict orders that no one should know about it and that he's given them, and she should be given something to eat. Just in that little verse, and then maybe considering the, the whole scenario there, what is authentic about this Jesus? Humble. Humble? Okay, no, nobody knows. And I, I don't want this to be the reason they're coming to me. That it, just because I raised somebody from the dead, is that what you're saying? Okay. Purposeful, is that what you said? Purposeful, yes, definitely. Purposeful. Anybody else? Yes. And I, I, that's why I wrote down decisive. He is decisive. He knows why he's there. It's, it's almost like what you said, Tommy. He, he knows why he's there. And I'm, I'm doing this for this reason, but I don't want you coming to me because you think I can raise you from the dead. I want you to come to me because I have the words of life. I, I have a reason for being here. I'm going to do this, but I'm going to give strict orders that this be followed so that my main purpose is accomplished. Right, he's he's not out there saying, "Look at me, look at look at how good I am," and and (laughs) great gathering those crowds. In fact, that's what you know when crowds show up. He's he's worried about why crowds are showing up because there's something something you're not getting because the message I have is a very decisive message that is going to make you choose between something and something else. Okay, chapter six, three and four. What is unique about this? These people talking about Jesus. He says, It says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. What is unique about Jesus in these verses? What do you see? He's claiming to be a prophet. Okay. He's claiming to be a prophet. OK? He was bold. He was definitely bold. Yes, and that, that goes right along with, with, well, kind of along with what I'm saying. He's credible. He, he is credible to those who are willing to hear him, to those who are willing to hear him and don't dismiss him just because they think they know him, because they think they know where he came from, because we know we got furniture in our house from him. I know who he was. He's not this prophet. He's credible, He's bold. He's faithful. He's a prophet. He's He is absolutely unique. And these people are noticing something different about him. He's also, pro- he, he's also predicting a prophet's fate. Predicting a what? A prophet's fate. Predicting a prophet's fate? Okay. Yeah. That could be it too. He's predicting a prophet's fate. And Jesus had something that they wanted. You know, mm-hmm. so they, they didn't really understand, you know. Okay. They didn't understand him at all in here, did they? Yeah. They don't they don't understand who he is. They know some people think he's something, but man, we know who he is. He's just that punk kid that was on the corner selling furniture. Yeah. We know where he came from. He's not that special. Chapter seven. Verses thirty verse thirty seven. Excuse me. Chapter seven, verse thirty seven. Here again are the crowds being utterly astonished at his teaching. They were utterly astonished, saying, "He has done all things well. He makes even the deaf to hear, and the dumb to speak." What is he here? What What is unique about Jesus here? He's making the deaf hear, the dumb speak. He's done all things well. They're utterly astonished at him. It is amazing. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, he's an amazing person, isn't he? And you can't even deny that he's an amazing person. What else? indescribable power, okay? To make deaf hear, to make the dumb speak. Yes, overwhelmed. He's qualified, he's powerful, he's able to do all of these things. He is uniquely qualified to do what he came to do. And they recognize that uniqueness, that that qualification that makes him able to do what he says. They go down to chapter 8, in the first three verses of that one. In those days, again... There was a great multitude and they had nothing to eat. He called his disciples and said to them, I feel compassion for the multitude because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their home, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come a distance. What's what's an obvious unique quality of Jesus here? Compassion. Compassion on these people. Some of them may have just come to have their bellies filled, but he still looks at them and sees them and knows they need food. They need, hung- they need to be fed. And, and maybe they should have planned ahead and brought food, knowing they're, they're walking all this distance. But Jesus says, let's take care of them. That compassion that moves him to action. He's uniquely compassionate. Anybody else? Any other unique quality you see in Jesus there? High expectations. Okay. He was able to fill every need. Okay, he's able to fill every need. Yeah. People didn't have to go anywhere else. Right. You didn't actually have to go anywhere else. If, if, if you got a need, Jesus can fill it. He is uniquely qualified to fill all needs. He may not fill that for you. He may let you go home hungry. If that's the biggest need. But he can do it. He can do it, exactly. He can do it all. Go over to chapter 10, last one here. Chapter 10, verse 45. And here's another unique quality of the one who came from God, who is God, who has and always will be, and has come down to us. Verse 45 For even the Son of Man did not come to be what? Yes, but to? Yes, and to give his life a ransom for many. What is unique about that? Everything. So- Everything. <laughs> I like that, Helen, everything. Yeah, what God comes down to serve? What Greek God comes down to serve? What, what other gods in, in history have come down to serve, not to be served? What other God has come down to be a ransom for many? What other creator has come down to dwell with his creation, to tabernacle, to, to dwell among them, to be rejected by them, crucified by them, still love them? What other creator? He is unselfish. He's uniquely unselfish is what I wrote down. Un uniquely unselfish. Now, I've got a handout that I'm going to have at the door. Because at night, we're going to go back through these lessons. So, some of these scriptures are on that. And on the handout, the last question I have is I wanted you to pick three of those things. When we talk about the uniqueness of Christ and being more like Him, what three of those things could you try to emulate in your life more? Could it be compassion? Could it be credibility? Do people believe who you are and believe what you say? Could it be the credibility? Could it be that you're qualified to be able to talk to them, that you, that you know what you're talking about? Are you really that good into the, or that deep into the word that when those situations come up, they come to you because you're qualified to answer those kinds of questions? you compassionate. Are you qualified? Are you, are you credible? Are you courageous enough to get out there and answer those are you authentic enough? Are you really living the life that God is calling you to live? And when people look at you, they know that person, that person can answer those questions. That person I can talk to. I wanted you to pick three things. So if you want one of those pages as you're going out tonight, or this morning, not tonight, this morning, I'll hand those to you, and there's a couple other things you can work through. But if you don't want of those, just pick three of those that you talked about. Pick three of those things and say, where can I be more unique like jesus if he is unique and i'm to be like him then perhaps i can become as unique as he can is in those things because we need this holy one we need the holy one to make us holy don't we we can't make us holy ourselves we need the one who loved the world the most unique to show us how to love i wouldn't know love if it wasn't for jesus i wouldn't know love if it wasn't for god And that unique one allows me to love others. But I can't do it by myself. I needed someone to love me enough to show me his death, to show me his resurrection, so that I know how to live, I know how to die, and I know how to live after I've died. And I'm raised raised to that new life. We need the one who is and always has been to show us how to truly live. We need the truly unique one to show us how to be uniquely confident, bold, authentic, courageous, decisive, credible, qualified, compassionate, and unselfish, just to name a few. We need that unique one in our lives. And we need to look more and more like him every day. But how about you this morning? Do you know that unique one? Do you look more like him? Or do people not see the uniqueness that is Christ in you? Try to work on those this week. And get a handout if you want on the way out. I'm going to work on three of those. You work on three of those. And we're going to become more unique like Christ. Take on the qualities of Christ every day. Each and every day. As we study and look at this unique one. And see what He means to us. And give us the power to be unique. Give us the power to be more like Him every day. If you don't know Him this morning, we'd love to share Him with you. And if you do, look more like Him tomorrow. Look more like Him on Tuesday. Look more like Him on Wednesday. Grow in Him each and every day. Because He will give you the power to be unique. Because He wants to give us and create in us what we, what we don't see in ourselves and what He sees already. Do that today as we stand and as we sing.